Mini episode 1144 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. This is FDH Managing Partner Rick Morris here. This is part eight of our coincidentally eight-part series breaking down all the NFL divisions in 2019, as we have done every year in the lounge since 2012. I have here as my esteemed co-pilot, good friend, and fellow FDH lounge dignitary, Raymond Smalley, proprietor of the fine sports and entertainment blog, always Googling at leehammaker.blogspot.com. And we are going through uh, here, as I say, the NFC West in 2019. This is the last of the divisions that we have to break down. This is a team that I had a year ago going very deep in the NFC. Uh, I have been a big Sean McVay guy from day one, as has Smalls. And in looking at this here, uh, again, question marks with this team. You lose a little bit defensively uh, because, again, they were going to be in a weird cap situation. And uh, with a lot of the star talent that they have and the big salaries that they put out there for a couple of guys like Brandon Cooks and Todd Gurley, you knew it was going to be the case. Todd Gurley is one of the biggest keys, I think, to this entire team for this year in terms of that allegedly arthritic knee of how much is he going to be able to be spelled by Daryl Henderson in any kind of a way that's that's going to bring any kind of relief to them. But I've still got the Rams winning the division and making a good run. Uh, again, they did what they did uh, without Cooper Cup down a stretch last year. I know FDH Lounge Dignitary uh, Steve Callis keeps pointing this out, and rightfully so, that things might have been different for them in the playoffs. They certainly wouldn't have been as pathetic offensively in a Super Bowl if they had Cooper Cup in there as well and a healthier Todd Gurley. But uh, do you at least agree with me, uh, Raymond, that uh, you're looking at still the top team in the NFC West this year? Absolutely, and, and I, I won't go deep because obviously I understand this is a pod, this is a podcast, not a video format, but. Leading up to that Super Bowl and looking at that on tape, we talk about people who don't, people who have only a rudimentary understanding of, of football in general in the NFL, people who aren't tape rats like, like I can be. We talk about Sean McVay as one of the best young offensive minds. Do yourself a favor, get with somebody who, who knows football. Get with somebody who can break down tape and watch what they can do offensively. It is amazing. It is remarkable to watch what Sean McVay can do in terms of levels concept, in terms of things they can do off play action, formation, what they can do with different routes from different formations. It's it's remarkable to watch. I mean, yeah, we talk about him all the time as one of the great young offensive minds. This might be shocking to some people. I don't think he gets enough credit for how innovative, how brilliant a young offensive mind that he is. 
I think that's very possible, yes, because the greatness that he has, and uh, he is uh, fortunate to have uh, Wade Phillips on the other side of the ball, who can really kind of duplicate that defensively and uh, get the most out of this unit. And again, when you're looking at elite star talent on a team, a legitimate, not just top five, maybe a top three player in the league in Aaron Donald, you finally started to see him get a little bit of the credit he deserves during the Super Bowl run last year. Uh, again, I have heard mm-hmm. people arguing that he is now the greatest interior defensive lineman in the history of the NFL, surpassing Mean Joe Green. What are your thoughts? I'd have that conversation. I mean, I'd have to look at uh, credentials. I'd have to look at things uh, side by side here. But it is entirely possible that we are looking at the greatest uh, defensive tackle in the history of the league. And that's one of the things here, too, where, uh, again, in, in, in the NBA, it's impossible but in the NFL, it is still possible to sleep on greatness in its own time at a certain position. Yeah. And defensive tackle is one of those positions out there. Uh, and yes, I hadn't heard that speculation before, but uh, he's got to be in the conversation already. And he ain't even close to being done yet. He still looks like no. he's in his prime. No, no. I mean, you, t- you, talk about, uh, you talk about a guy that is only, I mean, he was half class of 2014. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, you talk you talk about a guy that you know is 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 nowhere near the end of his career as great as he is already. I'm one of those people who think, okay, little premature in terms of talking about this person or that person is the greatest. I also think that a lot of us, fall, you know, a lot of us fall into prisoner of the moment. You know, it, it's. You know, Mary Rivera saying, well, Derek Jeter is the greatest Yankee ever because I saw him play. Yet you saw him play, and you didn't see Mantle or DiMaggio or Garrett or Ruth. That said, he's a special talent. He is absolutely, you know, I talked about Khalil Mack as, you know, the best linebacker in the league. Khalil Mack is an outstanding talent. He is a transcendent talent. But there's no question Darnell is the greatest defensive player in this league right now. He certainly is, and uh, he's got a lot of name-brand support on this defense here. Uh, some of these guys, again, with a good chunk of city miles on them, like Clay Matthews, Akeem Tlaib, Marcus Peters, Eric Weddle. Eric but these Weddle, are, yeah. yeah, these are all guys who've played at a very high level. Michael Brockers. And, uh, again, there's a fair number of guys, and a young guy who still has a lot of upside, like a Dante Fowler. So you, you've got that there. And then on the offensive side of the ball, this is a thing where once in a while I get pushback. I, get a, I got a little bit of pushback last year in my ranking of the top NFL players, not fantasy, but just the top 32 overall in the league when I had Jared Goff on there before last year. And Chris Galloway kind of pushed back at me a little bit on that. But, uh, again, I feel vindicated, notwithstanding the Super Bowl performance. Uh, there were, again, mitigating factors in that when you're looking at play calling, Todd Gurley not being 100%, Cooper Cup being 0% in the Super Bowl, etc., etc., etc. I don't think we can judge Jared Goff on that alone. And, uh, again, the fact that he's still on the rookie quarterback they st- rookie quarterback contract, they still have this narrow window before they have to pay him. And uh, that makes the Rams very dangerous in this year now that they're a team that knows how to win. So, interesting that you and I both have them down as the uh, consensus division uh, champions again. I will talk about their offensive defense momentarily. I will say this, 
Jared Goff, which is, I'll make two points. Number one, there's been speculation out there that if they don't get to where they want to go with him, maybe they are the first one to say, no, we're not going to pay you $30 million, and they move on from him. So that's my first kind of your thoughts question to you. My second one is, you talk about measuring the genius of a coach, and specifically Sean McVay. We talk about teams uh, that are one hit away from, you know, going from the penthouse to, to the outhouse. You want to measure the genius of Sean McVay if Jared Goff goes down with their number two? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting thought there. And Jared Goff is a guy, when, when you look at this, uh, I think they'd be dumb to go that route. I don't think they're going to. Because here's the thing, you only do that. Uh, if you got a chance to draft Tua next year, Trevor Lawrence the year after that, and what kind of draft capital are you going to have to surrender? You're going to have to do the Mike Ditka, uh, I'll give you all my picks. You'd have to do that to get a guy that you know is capable of replacing Jared Goff. I would give you uh, all my picks, uh, a year's pass to the Country Music Hall of Fame, land in Key Biscayne, Florida, Lifetime supply of uh, your pizza, uh, which has eleven locations in Ohio, and it's very good. Uh, yeah, none of that even in, you know, remotely interests me, let alone uh, being on the level of Jared Goff. So, uh, any uh, any remaining thoughts on the Rams before we move to the next team here? Yeah, I mean, you talk about you know, offensive line to me is the only question for them. I mean, Andrew Whitworth is, is still among the best tackles in this league, but I don't love the interior of the offensive line. Tight end, Tyler Higby, Gerald Everett are good. I don't love either one of them. Those three wide receivers together among the best sets in this league. Uh, top ten, arguably top five, top three with Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods. I think Robert Woods may be the most undervalued offensive skill player in this league. Uh, only rated 17th when I did my triplets. Uh, piece only rated the 17th wide receiver in this league. The three of them together, Todd Gurley, if he's right, is you know to me he's behind Ezekiel Elliott, but he is a you know, consensus top two back in this league. I don't love the fact that it's only Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson behind him. Um, Jared Goff, I still have questions, especially the Super Bowl performance. But that I mean, they were number four when you talk about Goff, Gurley, and Cooks putting together my split speed. That is a top eight offensive package there. Defensively, you're right. The two deep is thin, but it's not stars and scrubs. I mean, those are right. all legitimate guys in terms of Clay Matthews, Michael Brockers, Eric Weddle, Akeem Talib, Corey Littleton, Dante Fowler. And what I love about their defense is you know, it's not, you know, stars, stars on the level of, you know, certain guys you look around this league. Those are those are legit star guys, but those are lunch pail guys. And obviously, what can we say about Aaron Donald that hadn't already been said? I mean, even he is a star, is a, I mean, he plays defensive tackle. That is still a go-to-work position. That's what I love about the Rams' defense is that, yeah, those are named guys. Those are guys we know well. But those are all guys that are, you know, willing to get up at 5 in the morning and put the steel-toed work boots on and grab the lunch bucket and go to work. That is what, I, that is what to me, still makes them absolutely a division winner, 
that still to me makes them better than Seattle, and that still to me makes them a Super Bowl contender. The offense speaks for itself. The offense has a brilliant young mind guiding them. The defense, they're name guys, but those are guys that are not afraid to go to war. Those are guys that can give you a seven, hold an opponent to you know somewhere between 17 and 20 with that offense that's going to win you a lot of games yeah and so uh looks like it's going to be more of the same for the rams this year atop the division up next as far as how i have the team slotted in the division one of the bigger mystery teams in the nfl i think a lot of people would say coming into this year i've got the niners at nine and seven missing the playoffs in a tiebreaker but basically right there garoppolo coming back this year uh, in the preseason, not exactly picking up where he left off with the 5-0 and start down the stretch in 2017 before he got injured. But uh, again, this is a group where you, you've got Tevin Coleman, Jarek McKinnon, uh, Matt Breida. Not exactly sure who squares out as the number one running back in, in that bunch here. Similarly at wide receiver, Dante Pettis, Marquise Goodwin, Devo Samuel, I mean, I thought he was a pretty good value where they got him in the draft. Uh, Jordan Matthews now fitting into this bunch. I have questions about their skill position talent. George Kittle, uh, obviously, though, one of the top tight ends in the league. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. an an elite player, just like Joe Staley at left tackle. If you're going to have a guy to anchor an offensive line, he's one of the very best in the league. Mike McGlinchey, who I had a little bit of question about coming out of uh, Notre Dame. Uh, he is, although be it again, though, I mean, he was for where he was drafted, you might think and hope he'd be a left tackle. I understand they got Joe Staley for that, but uh, we'll see if McGlinchey can move over there eventually. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, again, getting some upgrades here. Uh, you, you talk about a, improving your pass rush 500% in one offseason between D. Ford and Nick Bosa. Enough said on that bitch. But uh, you got some other players who, who can really get it done here. Uh, you know, you've got uh, somebody with the upside of a DeForest Buckner in there, and Jimmy Ward at uh, free safety, Richard Sherman for whatever he's got left at cornerback. So this is a team where, again, I, I they don't blow me away at too many positions. But it, it weirdly enough, in ways that I can't quite put my finger on, it looks to me. Like, it's a roster that could be more than the sum of its parts. Although, I will say this, though. The times in the past, and particularly in, in years when Kyle Ross and I were doing this and when we agreed that we couldn't quite peg a team, like we said about Tampa Bay the one year, like, can't really get a handle on where they're at. Yeah, they were dog crap that year. So, me saying this about San Francisco might doom them to a 3-13 and season because historically on this show... When I've said about you coming into the the year, I can't really quite put a handle on this team. Things don't go well. Nevertheless, I got them nine and seven. So how does it look to you? Would you say that San Francisco is a rich man's version of Tennessee? Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Although I don't know that I can put a finger on a style of play. We know the style of play in Tennessee is going to be beige and boring. Even the close games are going to be snooze fests. I mean, if yeah. you, you know, based on the way Garoppolo played in late 2017, he, he, might, he might drag the most out of this offense to where they might be capable of doing more than Tennessee is. Oh, you know what, though? You know what? I, I, I think we can arrive on a compromise here. They're a more volatile version of Tennessee. Like, Tennessee, yeah. they're in the beige middle. 
San Francisco might be above them or below them, whether it be offensively, defensively, whatever. But, you know, if, if, if San Francisco plays to the middle scenario of what they are, essentially, then yes, they probably are Tennessee. There's no question Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, exponentially greater than Marcus Mariota. Yeah. If Jimmy Garoppolo plays as he played when he went by, no, as if he plays as he played when he, you know, for that for that game and a half when he got the Patriots off to two and zero of what would be a three and one start. There's absolutely no question he can be an elite quarterback in this league. George Kittle, I would argue, best young offensive weapon in this league, certainly the best young tight end in this league, and to me, already a top half, if not top ten wide receiver, or I'm sorry, tight end in this league. You know, Tevin Coleman, Jaron McKinnon, I don't know who's going to be number one. I like them both. I don't love either one of them, but obviously there is a reason that Tevin Coleman is now a San Francisco 49er as opposed to Atlanta Falcon. Those wide receivers, uh, Debo Samuel, Dante Pettis, Marquise Goodwin, Kendrick Bourne, Jalen Hurd. Um, again, if they walked into my living room right now, I would think, well, that is strange that they're NFL-sized guys and <laughs> my living rooms are very fast. But I wouldn't be able to you know, pick them out. You talk about you talked about Mike McClinchy and Joe Staley, outstanding set of tackles, but as good as the tackles are, I have major questions about the interior of that offensive line, especially Weston Richburg. Um, defensively, uh, yeah, outstanding, you know, upgrade of that pass rush, Nick Bosa, deep forward. I thought Kansas City, and I know they will argue with Frank Alexander, uh, getting him, I'm sorry, Frank Clark, not to be confused with Frank Alexander, who was the bodyguard for Tupac Shakur, <laughs> Frank Clark. Freudian slip. <laughs> you know what, it really is, and I don't, listen, I know Frank Clark was guilty of domestic violence, I don't know if he stepped aside and let anyone get shot at the University of Michigan, but, <laughs> no, there is that possibility, I don't know his entire life record, uh, I thought, you know, I know that Kansas City will push back when I when they say they got Frank Clark, and you know that was that was an elevation over D Ford. Yeah, I'm not so sure. The day you guys let D Ford and Justin Houston go, I thought, okay, you weren't very good defensively, and I think you just got worse. And you know, I look at you know DeForest Buckner, um, you know. Akella Witherspoon is a guy that you didn't mention. Quan Alexander is another guy. Quan Alexander is a guy I love. Um, I feel like there are pieces in the too deep for them. I think this is a merging defense. Yeah, anywhere between anywhere between seven and nine at the high end, ten and six. Again, and you can say this about a lot of teams. You know, I like that defense. There are a lot of good pieces there. Offensively, the wide receivers are a question, but more than maybe any other team. If Jimmy Garoppolo is the heir apparent to Tom Brady, this is a San Francisco team that could go that could go ten and six and scare people. If Jimmy Garoppolo is zero point zero, yeah, this is a, this is a team that's going to be longing for the Alcyon days of Alex Smith 
to Vernon Davis. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, how's, how's this for a uh, transition? Uh, there are people who still think that this uh, is a team that has a chance to win the division uh, just because they made the playoffs a year ago. Those people must be taking Halcyon. I speak, of course, of the Seattle Seahawks, who, uh, again, they're going to go as far as Russell Wilson, by and large, can take them. And uh, we saw a year ago uh, that can still be uh, to a pretty decent place. At, at running back, again, uh, it's been a fitful kind of uh, landscape there in the post-beast mode period. But uh, with Chris Carson as the lead guy, Rashad Penny behind him, uh, they have stabilized it at the very least. Wide receiver, better than it was at least, with Tyler Lockett kind of stepping up a little bit as far as what else there is there. Uh, DK Metcalf, uh, he was a polarizing draft prospect. I liked him. Uh, They're going to need him to be everything that he's billed to be if this offense is really going to pick up and uh, keep going here. The uh, offensive line, better than it's been in years past, not least of which when you got a guy like Dwayne Brown in there. Uh, so again, not the thing that was holding them back uh, in the last couple of years anyways. Uh, defensively, again, this, this is always a team that's going to have a, a really good unit. Uh, not elite the way that it was in the Legion of Boom days, and, and indeed there are no more Legion of Boom guys there, though, but uh, you know, Griffin and Flowers is not a bad tandem at uh, cornerback, to be sure. Uh, Bobby Wagner is a real good glue guy, and another one of these force multipliers that I often speak of around the league as far as somebody who makes the guys around him better. Uh, Ziggy Ansah now at uh, right defensive end. Uh, if he can get healthy, we'll see what he can do. So this is a team that I think is going to be in the mix. Uh, likewise, I have them at 9-7, and seven, but I have them just missing a, a wild card berth in the NFC. Have you ever sat around and thought, my gosh, what would Russell Wilson be if he had weapons? Yeah. Yeah, I mean... That's that's the thing about this. I mean, you know, he he's he's had Doug Baldwin. He's had some guys here and there who've been able to really do something. But yeah, I mean, that's that's the irony is that he went from being a guy where he, I think he was capable of doing more in the two years they went to the Super Bowl, but they just relied on him to be a game manager. That was stylistically what he was supposed to do. He went yeah. from that to being a guy who has to help carry them all the while never having the requisite weapons to be able to do that to its fullest extent. I am I am not as much a fan of Russell Wilson Jr. the third, big fan of Dan Patrick, uh, as many are. He's still an elite quarterback in this league. He's still a quarterback that can win you a lot of games. Where uh, Seattle loses me is, again, Tyler Lockett, is the premier weapon that you're texting home about. When I did my triplets piece, Chris Carson was listed as a top 10 running back. I often speak of you being out of your mind. Whoever wrote that has to be out of their mind high. Right. Um, I, you know, I like him. I don't love him. Richard Penny as his, you know, compliment. Again, I like, I don't love. Ed Dixon, he wants very good. Nick Vanette, you know, has shown flashes. I, I like him. You know, again, Tyler Lockett is the best you're texting home. You know, if, if I mean, I cannot think of another situation within this league. You know, I, I know there are 
people who would immediately scream Tom Brady. Well, yeah. Tom Brady has six Super Bowls, though. The lack of weapons has never prevented Tom Brady from winning a Super Bowl. You're going to look back at the end of Russell Wilson's career and say, you know, if it's only that one Super Bowl, if it's only that night in New York, and you're going to think, my goodness, if they would have put better pieces around him. There are everyone there. Ed Dixon, Tyler Lockett, Chris Carson, David Moore, who I didn't mention. You mentioned D.K. Metcalf, Rashad Penny, Nick Bennett. I like those guys. I somewhat like some of those guys. I don't love any of those guys. Offensive line, you mentioned, you're right, it's not a concern anymore. Justin Britt, D.J. Fluker, Mike Upati, Dwayne Brown, outstanding offensive line. Defensively, yeah, they, to, if I may paraphrase Toby Keith, they ain't as good as they once was, but they're as good once as they ever were. Uh, Bobby Wagner is outstanding in the middle. Michael Kendricks, KJ right around him. That, you know, that is the best group of linebackers in this division. That's a top 10 group of linebackers in this league. You know, Shaquille Griffith, Trey Flowers, you mentioned the corner, not bad. Safeties are a little bit of a question mark. They had, obviously, to move on from Earl Thomas. He wasn't happy anymore. Uh, Ezekiel Ansah is somebody that, you know, when he's right, he can be fun to watch. I'm looking for an interesting year out of him. I'm looking for, uh, you know, an interesting year out of the rest of their defensive line. This is another defense where, it's, where I say, you know what, there are parts there. They're very good there. You know, this is a Seattle team that I think that defense is better than the offense. I think that defense might have to carry the offense for a little bit. Again, Russell Wilson can win you a lot of games in this league. Um, however, I look at this, you know, Arizona, there's no question they're going to be bad. All right? That's why they were picking the top of the draft last year. However, I look at the Rams as an elite team. I look at San Francisco as an emerging team. I look at Seattle and I think, God, you could be an elite team. You were a playoff team last year. That talent around Russell Wilson, my God, again, we're going to look back at the end of his career and we're going to think, yeah, he was great. Yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. What could he have been? Yeah, and that's the thing, too. And that uh, for as much as everybody, myself included, put over John Schneider for one of the all-time runs in terms of drafting in the early part of the decade, and this entire roster having been turned over once the new regime got there with him and Pete Carroll and everybody, they haven't followed up on it since. They just simply haven't. Although you made uh, one musical reference, I will make another one as we translate off of them. Uh, a player that I'm a big fan of purely for the name, uh, well, it shouldn't be a surprise because uh, one of my favorite uh, jazz musicians is the great trumpeter Maynard Ferguson. So Jazz Ferguson is certainly somebody at wide receiver that uh, I certainly like for Seattle, if not for his talent, at least for uh, the way that he makes me think of the great trumpeter now in the sky and makes me smile. We move from there. We move from a heartwarming uh, thought to something that is certainly less than that. The Arizona Cardinals, the 32nd team in the league that we will be reviewing, and a team that could be 32nd in the league yet again as they were last year, uh, not coincidentally. They're going to put Kyler Murray in there at quarterback and uh, just going to kind of, hey, let's see what happens. Let's bring Air Raid full on to Sundays, put him in there, turn him loose. Uh, he's got some weapons to work with. David Johnson, one of the top flight running backs in this league. 
Uh, wide receiver is a curious case between not there yet and remember what he used to be, uh, respectively speaking, Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald, although Fitzgerald is still uh, a fine possession receiver and looks like he could be until he's at least 55 years old. And uh, you go on and on down this roster. Uh, you, you've got uh, China Doll, Charles Clay, and failed prospect Max Williams, Max with the two X's at tight end. You go from there to an offensive line that looks like it's going to get Kyler Murray killed in short, uh, short fashion. Brett Hundley behind him uh, there on the bench, uh, just in case you want to shiver, Cardinals fans. Uh, defensively, again, uh, a roster that's seen better days. Chandler Jones is and always will be a standout. Terrell Suggs has at least something left uh, in the game. And uh, again, uh, that that's something by and large is the ability to grab money, which is the only conceivable reason that he would leave and go to a team like Arizona. And uh, Patrick Peterson, again, intermittently one of the top cornerbacks in the league, but uh, it is sad that in the span of this short period of time, I told you almost everything that is noteworthy about the 2019 Arizona Cardinals, Raymond. Could not agree with you more. Uh, I will say for the Arizona Cardinals, when you mock Brett Hundley, Arizona fans, a starting quarterback from UCLA, what could go wrong? <laughs> I, you know, I agree with you on the offensive line. Uh, again, I haven't done an evaluation of every offensive line. If I if, 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 if I would, I think I would start to look at, at, at Arizona's offensive line, and I would just say, bitch, please. Um, yeah, there, 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 is, there, there, there is literally, there, there, there is, there, when, I, when I use the phrase, nothing good to text home about, uh, when I look at Arizona's offensive line, I think I would start writing that text and throw my phone against the wall and see how many pieces it's shattered into. Yeah. Um, they are terrible. Uh, they are every bit as bad as you think they can be in their worst. Larry Fitzgerald, I mean, what can you say about him that the Hall of Fame committee is not going to say about him someday? He's incredible. You're right. He is still the best of this bunch. Christian Kirk, you know, will I like him. I don't love him. He'll be there in a couple years. A guy that I love coming out of Massachusetts that they drafted, Andy Isabella. Um, David Johnson, I don't think he is what he was, but I still think he's very good. I think he's still a top half back in this league. Defensively, um, you're right. I mean, Arizona has uh, Arizona has a lot of Xbox games that people aren't playing, or a lot of Sega games that people don't know what to do with anymore. Um, Chandler Jones, Terrell Suggs. Uh, I understand, by the way, Terrell Suggs uh, drew that money. It was either with crayons or felt tips, Rick. <laughs> nice. uh, um, you know, you look at, you know, guys with potential, Jordan Hicks, um, Terrell McClain, Byron Murphy, um, DJ Swearinger. However, they, you know, that's potential. Um, I will say it's potential in the same way that Donald Trump has the potential to be a great president. Uh, it's there, as it's there in everyone who's ever held that office. Uh, however, yeah, I'm thinking Happen ain't gonna. This Arizona team, I mean, we've talked, there are a couple of franchises that we have talked about. You know, Miami, the Miami Dolphins, the New York Giants, uh, the Oakland Raiders as teams that are bad. And I'm talking eight-foot-high capital letters, bad. I mean, Arizona picks at the top of the draft after going 3-13 and last year. 
uh, it's not a leap to say they could do worse, especially if that offensive line succeeds in what appears to be their life mission of getting Kyler Murray to keep looking. Let's not forget, yeah. Kyler Murray is, is 5'4", 110 pounds. Uh, kidding, <laughs> obviously. Um, this is not an this is an Arizona team that, you know, I, I'm an optimist by nature, and normally I can find good things to say about, you know, anyone, any situation, or any franchise. There are very few good things to say about this Arizona Cardinals roster. Yeah, there are very few. We'll get to see what the air raid looks like, and it'll be interesting through an abysmal season as Cliff Kingsbury leads them into it. And uh, we go yeah, from we'll there see. to... Uh, go we'll, ahead. We'll see, what, we'll, we'll see what the air raid looks like in the same way for two years. We saw what the fun and gun looked like. Yeah, it, it led to Kevin Gilbride getting uh, punched on the sidelines, as I recall. All right, so now we are at the part of the show that uh, was inserted in. We referred to this back when we did our podcast breaking down the AFC South for this year because we, of course, had to tack on a little bit of an epilogue, if you will, in terms of uh, what we think is going to happen with Indy and Houston now that Andrew Luck has gone down. And, yes, uh, sadly for him, he was lost in the shuffle. But this just in, Lamar Miller down for this year anyways for Houston. So the playoff picture in the AFC being shaken up a little bit, so everything that we had recorded previously at this part is now null and void, because I had Indy winning not just the AFC South, but the AFC itself. So uh, as I had alluded to back during that preview, my revised prediction, I am agreeing with Raymond, and I am substituting Houston in as the division champion at 9-7, and seven, Indy at 8-8, eight and eight, just missing the playoffs. So here's what I got in the first round of the playoffs for this year, the wild card playoffs at Cleveland. How is this going to be for a wild, wild party? There will be parties on every street corner as though the Super Bowl happened. Cleveland over Pittsburgh in the wild card round. You heard it here first, people. And I have the uh, now the Los Angeles Chargers over Houston in the other wild card game in the AFC. The NFC actually stays the same on my predictions all the way through, which is to say... Atlanta over Dallas, and Chicago over Green Bay. In the divisional round, you've got, uh, again, this is where it really starts to get interesting because all four teams left in the AFC I find to be flawed. And you could make a case for any one of these four teams, but uh, they are all very, very much flawed at this point in time. Here's how I see it going, and this is one where a lot of people think might this might be far-fetched for this year, but I'm going to say it, Cleveland over Kansas City, because if you, you, you compare the defenses, even if you're going to give Kansas City the edge offensively, and I'm not sure you would when it comes down to the skill position talent, but even if you did, the gap on uh, defense this year, I look to be pretty stark between Cleveland and Kansas City. I've still got New England over the L.A. Chargers in the other divisional round game. NFC, the Rams over Chicago, Philadelphia over Atlanta. Championship Sunday, Philadelphia over the Rams. We will go to... Championship Sunday for the AFC, which I know will cause Raymond to smirk, but I will now join him in the prediction of New England over Cleveland. I still say I have a hard time seeing New England get back to the Super Bowl this many years in a row, yet I see it going down that way, process of elimination. However, Super Bowl 54, I will stick with the Philadelphia Eagles over the New England Patriots. The NFC East, yet again, kryptonite for those Patriots. Uh, Carson Wentz as a Super Bowl MVP in this game. So Philadelphia goes out there and does it again over New England in the Super Bowl. 
Take it away, Raymond. First, I would say that you and I agree on 11 of the 12 playoff teams as I was listening. Really? Okay. Yeah, the only one you have, the Atlanta Falcons, uh, winning the division. I have the Atlanta Falcons into the playoffs. You ha- I have, however, the New Orleans Saints winning the NFC South. Okay. So there is there is where we leave you, and obviously, uh, and you also, what's interesting is, you have uh, Kansas City as the two in the AFC and Cleveland as the three. I have that flipped. Okay. Interesting. So, AFC opening weekend, the AFC South champion Kansas City Chiefs defeat the Pittsburgh Steelers. That is a revision from what I thought originally. I thought that the Indianapolis Colts would be the six. My division winner in the AFC South, still the Houston Texans. I have I have them losing, even though they would be home versus the Los Angeles Chargers. So AFC South division winner unchanged. AFC South participation within the AFC playoffs reduced from two to one. <laughs> the opening weekend, the NFC North champion Green Bay Packers defeat the Atlanta Falcons. The NFC South champion New Orleans Saints defeat the Philadelphia Eagles. Divisional weekend, as you say, we agree on the AFC championship game. Thus, I have the New England Patriots, stop me if you've heard this before, defeating the Los Angeles Chargers, the Cleveland Browns, Baker Mayfield outdoing Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. The AFC East and North Division champions face each other. NFC Divisional Weekend, NFC Eastern Division champion. This is one you and I, where you and I, Rick, have have argued often for the third time within the year. The A- NFC East Division champion Dallas Cowboys would defeat the Philadelphia Eagles. NFC West Division champion Los Angeles Rams defeat the Green Bay Packers. Championship Sunday, you and I agree, and I love that you and I agree because I had this first, and now you're agreeing with me, which always warms my cockles. <laughs> I don't want to think about your cockles, Smalley. <laughs> New England Patriots. <laughs> the Cleveland Browns matchup of one and two within the AFC, matchup of one and two within the NFC. Dallas Cowboys defeat the Los Angeles Rams. This will make my brother, the Dallas Cowboys fan, very, very upset with me. Super Bowl, New England Patriots defeat the Dallas Cowboys. MVP, since you mentioned Carson Wentz, I will say Tom Brady. You had a quarterback, I'll have a quarterback. You have the Patriots in an NFC team, East team. I have the Patriots in an NFC East uh, team, one they obviously have not faced before. Patriots over the Dallas Cowboys with Tom Brady is MVP. Well, wow. I mean, that that will be the the ultimate, uh, that will be the, the Super Bowl of front-runnerdom as well as the Super Bowl itself. If you've got Patriot fans and Cowboy fans in the Super Bowl, my goodness. That will be fun to watch again if my brother is listening out there. First of all, Richard, thank you for going to YouTube to uh, watch something other than uh, what was on C-SPAN. And second of all, uh, yeah, you can begin not talking to me now. It will be a welcome change from where we are. Just kidding. Love <laughs> you, brother. <laughs> oh, unbeavable. All right, so those are our predictions for how the season plays out. Uh, this wraps up our entire series 
of divisional previews for this year. Uh, a blast as always. Uh, again, Raymond coming in and uh, doing the, the pinch hitter duties here for good friend and FDH Lounge original dignitary Chris Galloway. We again send condolences on the passing of his mother. And uh, Raymond, uh, again, uh, my faith completely justified. This series went great again this year. Thank you so much for uh, letting it be so. I appreciate that. And, Rick, I will say, as I said when we recorded this originally, with a tear in my eye, I can tell you this was the greatest night of my life. Those who do not know that speech, go to YouTube and research Rick Flair. Uh, after he won the 1992 Royal Rumble. It is every bit as beautiful as I just made it. That is something that I would like to believe is the most commonly quoted uh, notation in in all toasts by best men at weddings these days. I would like to believe that. I'd like to believe we live in a world where that's the case. But anyways, yes. I certainly. I would like to believe that as well. Yes. Uh, but again, sentiments that certainly apply here again and thank you everybody for checking out this mini episode and this series within the fdh lounge previewing the 2019 nfl divisions as we bring the show to a close we would like to extend our deepest gratitude to nbc cbs abc fox all clear channel affiliates tnt tbs usa upn deadspin.com youtube.com ytmnd.com myspace.com various blogs fox news cnn cnbc msnbc iamboard.com billboard.com google.com espn espn2 espn news espn classic nba tv nfl network sports time Ohio, Athlon Magazine, Comedy Central, Cartoon Network, The Boomerang Channel, QVC, BET, The Spice Channel, Steno Notebooks, Manwich, Papermate Office Supplies, Waitresses, Strippers, Bartenders, Garbage Men, Janitors, Microwave Popcorn, The Writers of The Office, Scrubs, Entourage, My Name is Earl, Oz, Metalocalypse and the Boondocks, Aquafina, and The Periodic Table of Elements.